Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y welcome to Uy, qué horror, a Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? Uh... You know, <laughs> you guys, I, I'm I'm just going to say it right off the bat. We picked a really and by we, I mean, I it's my fucking fault. Now, I picked I, a rough <laughs> movie, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> man. OK, so before we get into what movie it is, I yes. remember I think like a few weeks ago because on our Uike Horror movie list, occasionally I will go and be like, let's see if I can find these movies and I'll include the link of where we can watch them and everything, which, you know, right. saves us some time down the road. And I found this movie and I was like, ooh, maybe I'll do this movie next. And I read what it was about and I was like, okay, seems a little rough. And then I checked out some reviews and I was like, well, <laughs> if we ever do this one... I'll let Eileen well, pick it. He didn't give me a single fucking warning for I this. I just forgot. Sure. But then Eileen, you sent me the poster, which, first of all, is a conversation in and of itself. Oh, boy. But I was like, oh, this is that fucking movie. Yeah. Here we go. So what did you what'd you pick? Uh, oh, my God. Okay. So, oh, fucking, fucking A. Um... Well, the movie I picked this week is from Chile, and it is called, <laughs> it's aptly named yeah. Trauma, which is what I felt throughout this film. Both of us, we are both traumatized by oh, this film. Oh my God. Which I do believe is the purpose of it, and not in like the normal like gore, violent porn that there is in horror sometimes, because that seems very- Gratuitous? gratuitous uh-huh which at some points this film i was like is this but we'll get to that conversation <laughs> when we get there yeah. yeah i'm gonna say right off the bat trigger fucking warning guys listen i literally wrote in my notes trigger warning in all caps i again i'm <laughs> I started watching this movie yesterday at two o'clock and I didn't finish it until 9 a.m. today because that's how many breaks I had to take to watch it. So I'm going to try and be as sensitive as I can about some scenes just because some of them are fucking hard. and yeah. but, but also trying really hard to respect the movie itself because there is purpose to some of this. And yeah, so how about you give us a synopsis, Johnny? Okay. Um, <laughs> first of all, I have full faith in you that you will be able to do everything that you just said. Thank um, you. So... That's very, that's very <laughs> kind. So here's our synopsis, everybody. Four friends partying in a house in the middle of nowhere are brutally attacked by a man and his son, forcing the remaining women to take vengeance upon them. That's putting it lightly. Very lightly. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's putting it lightly. Okay. You can do, we, we can do this. Eileen, you can do this. <laughs> we can do this. Ladies and gentlemen, señoras y señores, the film Trauma from released in 2017 written and directed by Lucio A Rojas. The first thing I wrote was <laughs> in all caps, oh no, inspired by hechos reales. Uh-oh. 
Uh, oh, that already you know because oh, okay, I just want to reference to what you said earlier about the p- movie poster. It's right. a man's face, but his like the curves of his face are made by naked women that seem to be like running away. And that in and of itself is offensive. Oh yeah, the fact that the man's face is women in v- in v- vulnerable positions. in vulnerable positions like crawling away. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I do apologize now if I do the thing where I laugh because I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to try really hard. <sighs> okay. So we see Inspirado por Hechos Reales, inspired by true events. Here we go. We see another little title card that says Chile 1978. Now, let me give you some background with this stuff. Chile 1978, we are in the midst of Pinochet Mm. and the military taking over Chile. The Junta, which is basically government that's been ruled by military. Mm -hmm. He is sending out his troops to literally kidnap, torture, and kill anybody that is on the leftist side in their political views, Mm -hmm. basically. So we're in the thick of this. We're, like, it's honestly, we're five years in, because it started in 1973. So this is him, like, fully taking over, and we are, it's a mess, Okay. So, Chile 1978, we hear a bunch of shots. You hear a woman crying, and you see the feet of a soldier or a man being dragged. He's dead. And then we see a woman who's tied to a chair. Her arms are tied behind her, but her feet are on the seat of the chair. So, Mm -hmm. her knees are up by her chest. She is obviously been tortured horribly she's bleeding from her vagina one of her eyes is swollen shut and uh, we hear a bunch of other women screaming and wailing all around like it's from everywhere you just hear women crying and screaming Mm -hmm. a man appears and he whispers in your in her ear you think you could cheat on me with that communist all of a sudden these soldiers bring in a young boy, a teenage boy. It's her son. And she's saying, Juanito, Juanito, quédese calmo, calmate, no te preocupes. Like, calm down. It's cool. Relax. Mm-hmm. It's, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. The man pulls out or somebody hands him a syringe with something in it. It's huge. Yeah. Clear liquid, a giant needle. And he injects this boy while this woman is like, it's okay, honey, honey, it's okay. No te preocupes. Stay calm. And this boy is like kind of fighting, but as much as he can, he's a it's like a 13-year-old yeah, boy against two soldiers. Yeah. So this man he pulls this young boy's pants down. He puts a knife up to his face. While he's doing this, the boy is saying, no, papa, papa, no, no, papa. So this is this man is his this guy's dad. Yeah. He slices the kid across the face. And then all of a sudden, he's jerking this kid off, like, to get him hard. Mm-hmm. And he pushes him on top of his mother. And a soldier behind him, he yells to this soldier, push him, push him. So basically, we're watching this kid rape his own mother. Being forced by his father. Yes. To, to do this. The kid has a face that is like 
gone blank. Nothing's there now. Yeah. It's gone. Whatever it was, it's gone. Mm -hmm. As this is happening, the man bends down towards the woman's ear and whispers, I'm going to rape your daughter. (sighs) He pulls out a gun and it's still happening. And the woman tells her son, please take care of your sister. Take care of your sister. And the man stands behind her and he shoots her in the head, killing her. The soldier continues to push this boy. So now he's raping his mother's corpse. <sighs> he vomits. This The dad tells the soldier to back off. But Huang continues and his face then becomes angry, it seems. They, it fades out and we get our title card. Trauma. So, this, okay, this opening sequence, it is not often that I will be watching something and I will, I out loud said, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Seeing this opening sequence was enough for me to be like, I don't want to put myself through this right now. Agreed entirely. So, after the title card, we see another mini graphic. It says, Chile 2011. Two women enter an apartment and they are making out really hard. Dude. It's a redhead. Her name is Camila and a brunette and her name is Julia. And then bing, bang, boom. They are fucking. Oh. But like, I'm not talking like we are lesbians in Hollywood. No, this is porn. To go from that opening into this explicit lesbian sex scene. I, I, I. I really don't listen. I'm all for it. Like, girl, yeah, listen, get ladies, it, ladies, have your do fun, it, <laughs> do it. Bang but to it. go from that to this, I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. I agree. And also, entirely, there was like because we got that intro, and I know this is gonna sound so fucking weird because we got that fucked up intro. These two women, aside from the color of their hair, look so similar. Like, Twins. I was like, are these sisters? Because they have the same fucking nose, the same bodies. I was like, please do not let this be what we're watching right now. I that's really funny that you said that because I was like, there was a brief like wave of like, oh no, like <laughs> right. But I because, but the thing is, I wouldn't pa- put it past thing, this film. Exactly, exactly. I wouldn't put it past this film. Thankfully, though, they are not. They're they not are, sisters. They're not sisters. <laughs> they are just lovers who fucking go for they're it. They're going for like, it. Like we we see vaginas touching, like scissoring, yes. and like, like you it's... see literally like face licking coming up from vagina. You're just yeah. like, damn, you're yeah. in this. We crossfade from one candle in their room into another candle in of this like dark, dingy space, it looks like. Mm-hmm. And we pan across a man in his underpants and he's sleeping and he's dreaming and in like it kind of fades into this dream and it's Juan and his mother. And then it kind of morphs into another dream and then it's a voice of uh, a woman that's saying Camila hermanita and we see a red-headed woman the one from the top Camila and then this strong breeze blows across the face of this other woman and this woman wakes up in her own bed and this Mm -hmm. other woman is Andrea and you see on her nightstand there's a picture of her and Camila and I think and so 
they're sisters. So we're back at the lesbian's house, and uh, they are, you just fully see their fucking vaginas again. Wow. It's just full frontal. They're laying in bed together, fully nude, and Julia wakes up Camila. She's like, they'll be here soon. We cut to a knock on the door, and it's Magdalena, Magda, mm-hmm. who is Camila's cousin. So we have four women. Camila, the redhead, Julia, the brunette, and those are a couple. Mm-hmm. Magdalena, who are... <laughs> Is bangs. Oh, I put bad haircut. Yeah, bangs. <laughs> Horrible haircut. Girl, oh, girl. It's honey, bad. it's bad. And then Andrea, who is curly Magoo. Mm-hmm. And Andrea, <laughs> Andrea is kind of like the mom of the group, I would say. Yeah. She's yeah. very much like seems in charge. So the three of these girls, uh, Camila, Julia, and Magdalena, head to the car where Andrea is waiting. And as Camila puts her shit in the trunk, Julia very snarkily enters the car and she's like, hola, to Andrea. And you can already tell that Andrea doesn't fucking like Julia. Interesting establishing of relationships here, I must say. Yes, I agree. We see an aerial view of like a big compound, like a big house slash. Like former factory or something. It's Yeah, like yeah. Campground, open... something. Yeah, something like that. Something Clearly large. abandoned. Inside, we see a dark, grimy room, and a man carries like a medical plate, one of those like kidney shaped plates that they have in the hospital, with something inside of it. And he pours acid on top, and the contents kind of like sizzle and fizz. And then he pours whatever was in there down a hole and when you see it fall out it's like a teeny tiny skeleton oh my god i was gonna ask you what the fuck that i thought animal bones but now that okay that's not what that is no that was damn dude oh my god this movie is fucked bro that that (laughs) that's a baby a miscarried baby is what I think. Okay. It's all making sense. It'll all make sense to you as well, listener. Please stay calm. Take big breaths as (laughs) we are doing as well. We come back to the women. They're driving in the car. They're singing a fun song with the lyrics that are like, El placer que tu buscas si quiere te lo doy. So which is, which means. (laughs) Ridiculous. Ridiculous. (laughs) The pleasure that you're looking for, if I want to, I'll give it to you. Basically. Which I was like, Okay. okay, these lyrics are pretty good. They're saying, like, I have ownership of my body. If I want to fuck you, I fuck you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So Andrea seems to not remember where they're going. And so they, she's like, I'm going to stop at this bar over here, this bar called La Pena de Gloria. Classic horror movie, do not do this fucking trope. Absolutely. Don't stop here. No, because it's in the middle of nowhere. They've been driving. Like, the scene where they're driving, there's not a road. There's literally in the middle of un campo in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so they stop at this very run-down, it seems, bar in the middle of nowhere. They go inside. It's dark. It's all men that's in there. There's a dude playing guitar like, ding, ding, <laughs> ding, 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 Like, ding, literally like plucking <laughs> single chord, like, not even chords, strings, just like, bling, plong, plong. Yeah. And you're just like, could you stop, sir? I'm trying to enjoy my beverage. Hello. And also, (laughs) there are Chilean flags everywhere. Yeah. Even a giant one behind the guy playing the plonking guitar. And you're like, okay. (laughs) Andrea asks the bartender, hey, I'm looking for this place, Las Agustinas. And the bartender is like, 
um what are you everyone in this bar is looking at them like what the fuck like they've never seen a woman before in their life yeah all of a sudden two men surround them one of them is a giant man and the other one is like got a horrible texas chainsaw massacre style haircut that i was like get out of here that one, the one with the horrible haircut, is like, you guys shouldn't be here. You shouldn't be andando así, like walking around l- looking like that, basically. Mm-hmm. Because that's not how things are done around here. And then another man, the big giant one, comes behind them and like kind of crowds over Magdalena, who is a teeny tiny nugget yeah. of a woman. And he's like, ¿Qué pasó, pendeja, or whatever. And Andrea's what like, oye, fuck? oye, oye, calm down, bro. So a man from the back of the bar kind of stands up and like motions these men away. You know, you don't see his face. It's just kind of shadowy in the corner of the of the screen you see. And the bartender really quickly is like, okay, you're just going to go down the street in five minutes and blah, blah, blah. Andrea's like, gracias. And then she turns to this man who like dispersed these other two and was like, gracias. Like, yeah. thanks for sticking up for us. As they leave, a little girl kicks out a ball from that she's been playing. Her name is Yoya and she kind of has a cute little interaction with Magdalena and Magdalena gives her like some finger puppets and she's very cute. She's like, hola, como estas? (laughs) I did not trust this little girl. I was like, you're going to be a cannibal inbred person. Like you're going to eat these people. (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. When she says her dad works at the bar, of that's full of creeps magdalena's like okay well hope you're being very careful honey and you know care you know watch out and then these cops they pull up to the ladies two of them they they say hey hey this isn't a place for women wow and the girls are like uh yeah no duh we could tell (sighs) we went into that fucking weird creep bar and the cops are like they're not bad people they're just not used to seeing women like you and they're like, what does that mean, women like us? And he's like, you know, tan bonitas. Ugh. And I was like, oy vey. He does, this cop though, this young cop, I just called him cute cop. It's cute cop and- Pedro. Pedro. Pedro and he, company. Yeah, and fucking aviators over there. He does like try to kind of backtrack. Like he's like, I'm clearly making them kind of uncomfortable and I'm being awkward. Like yeah. he does kind of make it. And you can tell that he's not, like he doesn't seem slimy. He's he just... seems new here. Exactly. Andrea's like, great, thanks so much. We gotta go, bye. And and the cops say, okay, cool. Well, if you need anything, Pedro very sweetly is like, you can call us because we're pretty much the only police force in this town. And they are Not good. two men. Yeah. So Pedro writes his phone number, kind of flirtily, actually, on Andrea's arm. She's like, okay, thanks so much. Bye. And they drive away. So the ladies arrive at this beautiful Casa oh, de Campo, which made me gorgeous. fucking miss being in Nicaragua so bad. It reminded yeah. me of my of my tia's house in Ticuantepe. Remember totally. that house? Oh, hell yeah. Just beautiful open, and open, green, colorful. lush. Ugh. Lovely. So gorgeous. A great place for a little getaway. So from that beautiful scene, we cut to a man in a dark room eating what looks like a bowl of lentils. I wrote dog food. Or dog food. food. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever it is, it looks disgusting. And we hear a woman off screen screaming, crying, and we also hear chains. No, por favor, no, por favor, as this man like leaves, but the camera stays with the bowl of 
dog food lentils and uh, you hear screaming and screaming and he comes back and he slaps a piece of what looks like raw beef on top of this bowl of lentils and um i'm assuming he he just sliced that off that lady cut off some meat yeah gross so just cannibalism on top of everything else everybody i guess so so back to the gals in the house, Andrea is like, oh, my God, we're resting. Yes. And she takes Magdalena's phone and she's like, rest from this. Muchos celulares, muchos celulares. I get it. She got a point. Agreed. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. she puts her cell phone and I'm assuming everybody else's cell phone in a bowl on one of like the, the little open shelves that are there. Kami walks in with lipstick on her lips that aren't. Her own, like, there it's like smeared, definitely kissed on mm-hmm. lipstick. And Andrea's like, Vení para acá. And she like tries to wipe it off with a tissue like a mom. And I was like, Okay, She's listen, very I, don't, I don't have any siblings, but that would fucking annoy me if somebody <laughs> came up to me and was like, Let me do, no, fuck you. You're not my mom. You're not, you leave me alone. Okay. <laughs> And obviously, Kami feels the same way that I do because she's annoyed yeah. and she's like, hey, que joder, andate, leave me alone. You know what I mean? And she's like, No, you could just clearly tell that this is the younger sister. That Kami yeah. is the younger sister. I yes. think, right? Yeah, I think so too. But then Andrea's like, I just want us to be okay. Mm. And Kami's like, Okay. And she heads over to Julia and they're like flirty, lovely, being loving and gay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the best. <laughs> the best. So we're back in that horrible, dingy, dark room. We see some stairs, and there it's the man from before. And he walks to a mirror. He touches his face that has a scar across his eye. Mm-hmm. So this is now the grown-up Juan that we saw at the very top of that horrible scene. We get a horrible flashback of Juanito, again, like young Juan, and his horrible dad. And his dad... Oh, my God. Okay, so his dad hands him a cup of what seems to be lubricant, and then he forces Juan to go over to a crib, which is, I think, where his little sister is. And then something horrible happens that I'm not going to describe, and so we're just going to move. We're just going to move on. Yep. Why? Why? Uh, okay. So we're back from the flashback that literally haunted my, me last night. I literally was in bed and I was like, "How? How am I ever gonna live my life again in a normal way?" But how will I? How will I ever erase <laughs> this fucking shit? And so he, we're back to Juan, old, an older man now, and he sits there looking at another guy. We're just like, "Okay, who is that?" Back to the ladies, and they're enjoying some beverages, and they're, like, talking and getting to know each other, it seems. Um, They're asking Magdalena about her masters and about her pololo, which I think is a great word for boyfriend. (laughs) Pololo. Pololo. I did not catch it. Love that. And Julia is like, mira, you've been together for a year. Why do you have to have something that is so important be forced upon you by someone that, you know, you might not be with in a couple of years? You know what I mean? Well, Andrea is like, well, okay, so then if you guys are against Magdalena being serious with her boyfriend, what are your plans, Julia and Camila? Mm -hmm. And Camila very casually is like, well, we're moving in together soon. And Andrea's like, oh, don't you guys know each other for like a month or two? And Julia real snarkily again is like six months. Which Thank you so much. 
It's not a long time. <laughs> I know. Come on. Well, and then Andrea's like, well, when are you going to tell our mom? Because she needs to know. Mm-hmm. And Camila gets very defensive about that. And she's like, I'll tell her whenever I fucking want to. You know what I mean? And Magdalena, very sweetly, is like, well, your mom's really chill. Like, mi tia is really cool. So we don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Camila gets kind of pissed off at everyone talking about how she should fucking tell her mom that she's moving in with her girlfriend. So she fucking fucks off into the house and and Julia follows. And Magda turns to Andrea and is like, what's your deal, dude? Why do you fucking hate Julia so much? Mm. And Andrea's like, I know her from a long time ago and I know how she is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this seems like judgment, but whatever. So we go back to Juan. And he goes up to a woman. He gently picks up this charm that she's wearing on a necklace. And he says, Mama would be proud of the way that I've treated you for these years. And then he caresses her face, but like not in a brotherly way. In like a sexual way. (laughs) Plus she is... She, she is, is chained, she's chained up to she's a bed, it seems, up. and so dirty and gross and yeah, fucked. Th- fucked. We go back to the gals, and now they're fucking <sighs> drunk, and they are smoking a J and dancing around. <laughs> and Camila seems to be a little too drunk to dance, and Julia's like, "I want to fucking dance, mm-hmm. oh my god!" And Julia <laughs> maybe starts doing some like flirting with Magda and I was like yes. guys what is What's the deal going on? and then all of a sudden bam the power goes out Shit. so Magda and Julia go to the back to where, where the the fuse boxes to check what's going on and the sisters stay behind and kind of have a tiny little heart to heart where Camila's like Julia treats me well she's nice to me and I love her and she loves me and Andrea is like okay I promise that I'll be a little bit more patient with Julia because obvious it's pretty obvious that Andrea's like that bitch can go fuck off. Yeah. Meanwhile, Julia and Magda are at the fuse box and they are getting their flirt on real hard. And Julia's like, es que yo soy media loca. I'm a little crazy. And I was like, I'm so media loca que <laughs> vuelven locas a todas. Magda's eating this up too, though, because she's like. Oh, she, I was surprised at how like she was just like. I got my bolulo back at I'm home. I'm feeling but this because all of a sudden this. they are making out, making out. Yeah. <laughs> but guess who's out in the in the fucking yard and sees them? Fucking Andrea. I mean, she called it. She yeah. was like, "I don't trust that Julia." And now I'm literally seeing her cheat on my sister with my yes. cousin. Y'all. Oof. Okay, so this is <laughs> we're gonna. Oh God. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> so we're gonna Fuck. we're gonna get to some. So we're gonna get to some stuff, some hard stuff here. I feel like at like every ten minutes we should just be like trigger warning, trigger yeah, warning, trigger warnings. warning. So we are oh, back man. at this horrible house, and we kind of get this aerial view of this room, and the other man that we had seen earlier with Huang that we were like, who's that? gives a bowl of food to this woman in chains who we is the sister it seems mm-hmm. but he calls her mamita oh god so in this moment we are assuming that juan and his sister have had sexual intercourse and had a child which is this man mm-hmm. <sighs> 
So it right now it's a back and forth. So we see them and then we see the girls again and the lights are back on and fucking Julia does like a real uncomfortable strip tease to the girls. What's happening? <laughs> what I'm too drunk and high for this. Like girl your boobs, her, your, are, your boobs out. are out. I mean listen, live your life, you look great, but we're trying to hang out and you're really weirdly stealing the spotlight by doing a strip tease and like making out with yeah, people. Yeah, bro. Like, Andrea is on the sidelines being like, um, yo no vine a la casa de mi tío Gustavo estar viendo fucking strip tease of my sister's girlfriend to my cousin. It's so weird. Ay, Dios mío. So we, and then we go back to this dungeon aerial view and the man that gave the son, his name is Mario, by the way. So I'm just going to call him Mario. Okay. Mario, after he's given this bowl of I'm going to lentil dog food to the woman, he yeah. starts barking. He's barking and like uh, turning and acting like a dog very weirdly. And then it's more stripping and then back to this room and more weird stripping with suspenders. And you're just like, what's happening? And then the man, Mario, like runs underneath the tape, a table. And this is all from like the top view. Yeah, the aerial view. Uh, the aerial view. And then Juan is sitting there and then he just starts sucking his dick. And then Juan grabs a pot lid and puts it on his head. Why? <laughs> why? Wait, why? why? Okay, this is, the, okay, like, let us, let's establish this is this man's son. But why with the pot on the head? Why with the, the pot, pot on the lid on the head? But, <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not funny. It's, it's not just funny, like, it's awful. What the fuck what? are we watching? I, I, my eyes were, my jaw was on the floor and I was like, but why? But why? But why? <sighs> so then that all ends. <laughs> oh my God, the uncomfortable giggles. The I, uncomfortable giggles. I want to rip my eyeballs out of my fucking skull, bro. Okay. Oh God, we've got so much, so much coming. I'm going to, oh my God. Okay. That's all over. Oh we get a shot of Juan tying on his boots and we see a lone newspaper over on the side that's with the headline that says Extremistas Racian Paso Cordillero, which means extremists raid mountain pass. Back to all the ladies who are still kind of stripping and a dancing and it's uncomfortable. All of a sudden, in the window, there's a man standing there. And then another man on another window beside the house. And those two men are Juan and Mario. Julia stops dancing and she's like, as these people, the man, uh, Juan and Mario move to the front door, he knocks. Magda's like, don't open the door. Hello, duh, don't open the door. Call the cops right now. Immediately. They knock again. Andrea's like, they can't be here to cause us any harm. No, girl. No. Just call the cops. Call the cops. While this is happening... Magda secretly grabs one of the cell phones that was in the bucket and hides it in a drawer. More knocking on the door. Andrea asks, what do you want? And they slide a piece of paper that says bienvenidos, but on top of the O of bienvenidos, there's an A in red written over it. While they're arguing whether or not they should open the door... They just fucking come on in. They unlock. Yeah. They had a key. They, they unlock key. the door and fucking come on in. When they walk in, Mario, the son, grabs the other keys that are hanging on the key hook that's ho, by yeah. the door. Ho. <laughs> <laughs> key ho. The key ho. 
I'm sorry, I'm so scared. No, I know. (laughs) And they just make themselves comfortable, walk on in, and the women are like, what the fuck, dude? And they sit on the couch. Andrea says they can't be here. They're having a private party. The other, Mario is holding up a knife and drooling from his mouth, and he's just like, looking at them disgustingly creepily juan pulls out a revolver and like really sexually puts it on top of his dick yeah (sighs) okay andrea says that she has money that she'll go get it and they can leave and then juan says to julia keep dancing okay and everybody time to hold on so he gets up he shoves andrea to the side when she tries to intervene and he yells at Julia, keep dancing. And the other man, ooh, Mario, he starts clapping and singing a church hymn, which is very upsetting. And Juan tells the other women to start clapping along and Julia has to keep dancing. And Julia is like, quote unquote dancing. She's literally shifting side to side because she's so fucking shitting herself. Mario grabs Andrea and holds a knife to her neck. When Juan goes to grab Camila, Andrea tries to stop him and he elbows her in the fucking face, knocking her to the ground. Like, not mm-hmm. unconscious, but like... Enough that she's like dazed. Very dazed. And in shock. Like Totally. Can, can, I, how do you... Yeah. What do you... How... What? what? What do you do? How yeah. do you deal with this? So she's on the ground, and we see the rest of this scene from her point of view on the ground. And it's a horrible rape scene. I'm not going to describe it. Juan rapes Camila. Mario rapes Magdalena. While Julia has to continue, quote unquote, dancing. When it's over, Juan leans into Andrea's ear as she's like, passed out on the ground and she's like tomorrow we're going on an excursion he sits back down on the couch mario his son juan's son snuggles on over to him and then they fully start to kiss yep and i'm not talking about like i'm your dad and you're my son no no now this this whole fucking sequence here I had such a weird thing where I I think I texted you about this where I was like feeling very protective because I was like, I need to warn Eileen of what is going on, what is going to happen in this movie. And then I just had to be like, (laughs) Eileen is a strong woman. (laughs) She's just like, she'll be okay. But then also rape sequences in films are... Always the fucking worst. Always. I, I usually just like I, you just fucking close your eyes because like why would you want to see that? Yeah. This is the scariest and most terrifying and most brutal rapes. I've never seen anything like this. This one was fucking brutal. It was this brutal. is brutal. One of the worst scenes I've ever seen in my entire life, and I've seen a lot of fucking scary, horrifying, horrible movies. Yeah. This this, this one was, bad. was very bad. The women are sitting up against a wall. Magda wakes up and she says something so sad where she goes, she says, no le digan a mi mamita. Like, don't tell oh, my mom. Oh my God. Which is so upsetting. Juan comes, leans in and whispers, whispers into Magda's ear after she fucking spits on him. Do you want to kill me? Me quieres matar? Matame. Yeah, fucker, I want to fucking kill you. Yeah, Jesus I want to fucking Christ. kill you. And so he takes a revolver and he puts the revolver on the table that's like right in front of them. He heads over to the shelves. He picks up all the cell phones from the basket and throws them into a fire. But not knowing that Magda saved a phone earlier. 
now it's the next morning. Everybody is sleeping, including Mario and fucking Juan on the couch. And the girls are sitting up against the walls, like, tied. Magda is able to undo her ties and gets up. She grabs the gun from the table. She points it at Juan and she shoots. But there's nothing. She shoots again. Nothing. It's fucking empty. She grabs the keys that are on the table as well. And then she goes to the cell phone that she hid and she grabs that too. She walks over to the front door. Now remember, she's been raped horribly, brutally. So she's doing this all. It's almost like she's... She's in shock. She's in trauma. Hello. Yeah. Name of the title of our film. She walks over to a mirror. She looks at her face because during that horrible scene, Mario bites off a chunk of her cheek and then pours salt all over it, which is awful. She goes to the front door and she kind of like in this shocked state of mind, points the gun out and clicks it again and then puts it in her mouth and then goes to click it. But then all of a sudden, bam, her fucking face explodes and Juan has shot her in the fucking back of her head. Juan kneels down in front of Andrea and he holds his gun up to her head. Quiere llorar? And she's like, so un maricón. And he stands up and he motions to his son and they fucking leave. And I was like, what? the fuck dude andrea and camila and julia they untie themselves andrea goes and sees poor magda's fucking exploded head it's so awful and she puts a blanket i was like girl cover her head she doesn't cover her head oh my god dude leaves it out and about horrible they call the cops and pedro and aviators drive they pass juan and fucking mario on their way to the house fucking aviators seems to recognize them. Pedro's like, who the fuck are those guys? And he says, the big guy is Juan and the other one is Mario. But they've never attacked an out-of-towner before. They get to the girls and this piece of shit aviators is like let the big city take care of it let them go back to santiago and have them be taken care of because try and do something about it and see how it goes for you with those fucking guys and i was like aviators is telling us now that every the cops and everybody in this town has just let Juan and Mario and whoever torture and murder local women for years and years and for years. For years and years and years, and they don't fucking no do anything about it. Nada. Nada. Do your fucking job, you piece oh of shit. Oh my god. But Pedro very strongly goes to these women and he's like, We're gonna catch these motherfuckers. Come with us to the police station. We're back at the bar that we saw at the top, and Yoya is playing with the ball. She kicks it out again, but who's fucking there and grabs that ball? Fucking Juan. Mm. Girl, run. Run, honey. Honey. I guess you weren't a cannibal, insane person like I thought. No, you were just a sweet little fucking girl who lives in a horrible town that's filled with (sighs) absolute monsters. So as the fuzz is driving these girls, the three girls, to the station, the bartender of the bar runs out onto the road and he's like, oh my God, Juan is taking my yoyita. They give the bartender a gun and they head back to the bar. At the bar, the two cops and the bartender and now the bartender's son who was like, oh my God, they took fucking Yoya. They all have guns and they all head into the bar with their guns drawn. Juan is sitting in a chair all by himself like fucking arrogant as hell. And they're like, you have to turn yourself in, you motherfucker. And he's like, you want me to leave her all alone in that cave and nobody to take care of her? They don't know what to do. So he turns around and he extends his wrists and he's like, Yeah, me. 
Take me. Honestly, shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Get, get a search party. You'll, You'll find, find her. You'll find her. Shoot him. Shoot him. Fucking aviators goes, approaches him, but he's so fucking scared of this guy that he mm-hmm. puts on these handcuffs so gingerly and isn't looking him in the face. And Pedro says, you should always keep your eye on your prey and grabs a knife and through the chin into the skull kills aviator right there. After he stabbed him in the fucking head, he pulls out that knife, throws it at the bartender who gets it on the neck. And then he fucking punches Pedro in the face as he's on his way to the bartender. He grabs the knife and he cuts off that bartender's head. Yeah. He fully saws it off with that knife. And then with that same knife, he stabs the bartender's son, grabs a machete, and then fucking cuts his full goddamn arm off. Like, this guy is berserking right now. Pedro, who got punched in the face and knocked out, kind of comes to, and he aims his gun. As he's about to shoot, or you think he shoots, but it's not. It's fucking Mario, the fucking creepy son, has come in, and he's shot fucking Pedro. Meanwhile, back in the car, the girls hear all this commotion and these shots and shit like that, and they can't get out because it's a fucking cop car and they're in the back seat, so they can't exit. Juan comes out of the of the bar with Yoya tied and gagged over his shoulder and holding the bartender's head from his hair. He puts the head on the hood of the car, and then he unlocks the doors of the car and walks away with Yoya on his shoulder and Mario following with him. Basically like, come and get me. Exactly. The girls go back into the bar and they see this fucking massacre, but Pedro is still alive, so Camila is like, Listen, he took that little girl. We can't let him go with that little girl. And Andrea and Julia are like, I don't think we should go, dude. Like, what the fuck? But Camila's like, it has to be done. We have to do it. And Andrea eventually agrees. And Julia's like, es una locura. Like, we can die, dude. We mm-hmm. Nos pueden matar. And Cami says, a mí ya me mataron. But Pedro is like, listen, if we call Santiago, they wouldn't arrive in time anyway, so let's fucking go. I'll give you guns. Mm-hmm. We'll go to the fucking police station. I'll get you guns. And we'll still call Santiago. They'll get there eventually, but maybe we can get a leg up. We see those huge grounds again. Inside, Juan goes up to his sister, Carmen, and we find out his name, her name is Carmen, again chained up. He says that he has something in her cell, in the cellar so that she can be a mother again. And he unchains her feet, and he kisses them again, not like a brother. But also, she's not afraid of him. She's, like, tender with him. And, like... Yes, she is. It's... And loving. What's the word uh, when somebody is uh, brainwashed? Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah, yeah. Now we see Juan and Mario, who's maybe drunk, I think, because Juan is- Oh, I thought he was- Uh Uh-huh. I thought he was high. He's like, don't do that shit anymore. But we didn't see him- We didn't see- Do anything? What he was doing is like, because he's slapping him around and being like, this is what happens when you put that in your body. Yeah. What does that mean? What? Uh, Who knows? Booze? Who knows? (laughs) But then this slapping- Leads into a flashback of Juan, a young Juan again, also getting slapped by his dad. But there's a shootout taking place in these com- in this compound. And his dad is telling him, if you need to stand your ground and not run away like a F word, derogatory mm-hmm. 
slur. And then during this shootout, we see that the fucking horrible dad, thank God, gets fucking shot. And that the comrades- fucking time. Yeah, seriously. The comrades seem to be winning. And when they finally shoot the last soldier, they go to the dad who's been wounded but not dead. And they shoot him right in the fucking head. Good. Fucking out. Mm Mm-hmm. But then the comrades find young Juan who's been hiding and he's like and they're telling him it's okay it's okay don't worry we'll get you out of here tell us where there are other comrades and he turns around and he slices that motherfucker's throat like hardcore. Yep. Young Juan gets up and he's like moving through these grounds and he finds more comrades and he's just like slicing their guts out and killing these motherfuckers but we also see like images of that horrible dad torturing a woman and like electrocuting her. The, again, this is this is going to be awful. And he goes up to her. He pulls rats out of her vagina. The dad turns to young Juan and he asks him, OK, what do you want to do with her? And then Juan shoots her in the face. Now, I'm just going to say this now because that is actual, like, factual things, ways of torture that they did to women during the Pinochet regime. Like, literally putting animals inside these women. Okay. I'm very sorry. I know this is awful. Ugh, this fucking movie, bro. Okay. We're almost there. We're almost there. (laughs) Now we see these three ladies (laughs) and Pedro. They're arriving at this horrible compound. They move through it quietly with flashlights, and and they all have guns. At one point, they get separated, and it's Andrea with Julia and Pedro with Camila. Pedro and Camila, they find a room where there's newspapers up on the walls, and all the headlines are like, General Pinochet dice que together we'll we'll make a new Chile, and another headline line that says 1200 guerrilleros were going to invade chile and like which is propaganda basically and in that room they find a woman that's been chained to a wall one of her legs is a fucking busted open but no foot just like bone exposed that's the woman that when he was having the lentils dog food shit he went that, i'm assuming he went and cut off some of her leg and then ate part that's of that leg. what i assume as well Pedro says that, t- says to her, we're getting help, don't worry. And she says the line that is always a fucking bummer. Matenme. Oh. Kill me, dude. Just fucking kill me. Oh. I mean. So now Andrea and Julia, they find Mario, the creepy son, in a different room with a bunch of creepy dolls in the corner. Did you see that? The fucking- Oh, God, yeah. So creepy. And Andrea tells Julia to go in and try and seduce him. She's like, show him your tits and I'll attack him from the back. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, let's hope this works. I mean, come on. So Julia, <laughs> obviously fucking terrified, is like, dude- Okay, I, I'll do it, but I trust you. Please watch out for me. Please. God. Julia comes out. He hears her. He pulls out a fucking humongous knife, and she's like, hey, check out these tits. Don't you want to look at these tits? And <laughs> he's, like, looking around trying to see if his dad, like, can hear him. And she's like, hey, hey, over here. Look at look at these. Look at this. Come over here. <laughs> and he pins her up to a wall, and blam, Andrea fucking slams the shit out of his head with, nice. I don't know, a fucking a piece of wood. Who Gets knows, out. whatever. Knock, him, knock his ass she out. She knocks his ass out. And fucking Julia goes to grab the knife and Andrea's like, no, 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 no lo mate, don't kill him. And I was like, girl, just kill him, dude. Just kill just him. Kill just him. Kill him. And they, so the, instead they tie him up and Julia's like, brother, let's just fucking kill him. She points to the corner of a room and there's a dead woman right there, which I didn't say earlier. We saw when they were showing us other footage of Mario 
where a woman was screaming and there was a baby in a in a crib and she was like me he'll give me my baby give me my baby and he just gra- and he's screaming like shut up shut up and he fucking kills her it's a very fast yeah. scene but okay and it's that woman that we see Andrea and Julia find Pedro and Camila and they say that we can exchange Mario for Yoya. And I was like, I don't know, dude. I feel like that fucking dude is just going to kill everybody. Like even his don't own do, just, son. No. Yeah. You just kill these two men. Just kill them. Don't try any tactics. Just do it. Yeah. Fuck it. So Julia tries to comfort Camila and she's like, mira, there's a future ahead. We're going to be okay. We're going to get out of this. And Camila seems very defeated. And Julia's like, Mm -hmm. no dejes que esos bastardos te quiten la vida. No permitas eso. And I was like, I mean, that's a good line because Mm -hmm. fuck. Don't let these bastards take your life. They're in a hallway and all of a sudden a woman comes out of nowhere and she's screaming, ayuda, ayuda. And there's a fucking rocket on her thigh and then bam she explodes like she's there for 0.3 seconds yep and behind her is huang who throws another one of these rockets down at these people and they run and they drag fucking pedro with them which huang sees that he's getting not but not pedro mario with them down this hall Mm -hmm. they go into this room and they fucking close a big ass sliding door but immediately they hear a lock and you're like, ah, oh, fuck. Fuck. So from there's some stairs in this room and from up in these stairs, a smoke bomb comes flying in. Juan yells, if you want to live, do what I say. Step away from the door. So they do. The door opens and he yells, sucking a me, ho, sucking a me, ho, get my kid out of there. And then he fucking comes in and he's shooting the most giant old timiest gun I've ever seen in my life. Una escopeta. <laughs> <laughs> and Pedro's like, hell no. And we're not, your son is fucking dying, bro. No, no way. And all of a sudden, out of a weird pipe, some green fucking gas starts coming out. And I was like, brother, get out of there. Here comes Juan down the fucking stairs with his big ass escopeta and a fucking <laughs> gas mask. And he's just shooting this old timey gun all over the place. He shoots Pedro, who falls on the ground, but he's still alive and shooting back at this motherfucker. The girls are all shooting at him too but then Juan fucking shoots Camila she goes down and so Julia and Andrea grab her and then they get out of the fucking door that had just opened leaving poor fucking Pedro behind in this in this green green gas gas room green green gas room (laughs) um And Juan goes up, he picks up fucking Mario, and he goes, follows after these women. Pedro dies a horrible death. His face fucking sizzles off his fucking skull. It's awful. So now that he's untied by Juan, Mario finds these women. He smashes Andrea in the face with a fucking crowbar. He goes for Camila, but Julia tries to save her by, like, jumping on him. He chokes her and lifts her by the throat and then fucking throws her out of a fucking window where she just fucking lands with a splat. Then he punches Camila in the fucking face, grabs the crowbar to fucking kill her, but Andrea grabs the knife that was on the ground and fucking slices the shit out of his Achilles, which is Mm -hmm. awful, and then grabs a brick and breaks his fucking knees and then goes to town on his dick. Like, fully smashes smashes his dick. dick. Now, I'm gonna say something real evil here. Cut off that dick. I wanted more. Me too. I, I need more. After what these women have been through, that's not enough. Plus, he's not dead. You need to do a lot more damage, yes, girl. And, 
Something happened. I don't know what it was, but they made it seem like he was like dying there. But all she did was smash mm-hmm. his knees and his dick. I was like, no, I, it, yeah. you can't be dying from that. Head. Head, no. Cut off that dick. Shove mm-hmm. a knife up that dick hole. I want fucking, <laughs> I want that guy to go through it. Like, if we had to sit through watching what happened Let to these women. Let me see this guy. We should see these yes, people suffer. Yes, exactly. Come on. That may be awful, but fuck you. <laughs> hey. That's that's what you're making yes. us feel, trauma. That's what exactly. you're making us feel. She una- but she does smash the shit out of that dick. She does. Good job. Camila and Andrea get up. Camila fucking yells for Julia out the window, but girl, she seems pretty dead. And then they run. Mm. The only one left is Juan. That's the only one. Who finds Mario lying on the floor, all fucked up with his dick exploded. Juan stands over his son, pulls out a gun, and shoots him in the fucking head. Right through the fucking eye. So then we hear Juan singing a part of the national anthem, of the Chilean national anthem. As the women try and find a way out of there, they also hear a woman crying, and it's Julia. She's not fucking dead. Mm. So they find him in a room where she's chained up, and she has what looks like a horse's bit or something, like pulling her mouth open and cheeks apart. It looks like a saw contraption. Absolutely a saw contraption. And Camila and Andrea are like, turn the fuck around. We're about to fucking kill you, bro. And he's like, oh, okay. Kill me and good luck taking that fucking thing off of her head. And he has a crowbar in his hand. And he has the curved part right at Julia's mouth. And then Andrea says, Milico enfermo de mierda. What is, what is the first word? So I had to fucking Google and look and listen I a thousand tell. times. So the word is milico, which is basically slang milico. for like somebody who is in the military or or in the police force. Okay. And I right. think it's some, most of the time, especially nowadays, used as a derogatory term for military people. So for to him incredibly offensive exactly so he's livid and he turns that curved end of the crowbar and rips julia's lower jaw right off of her fucking face now i will give the uh, practical effects some props because it looked cool but again the moment they saw him He's saying these threats like, oh, Yoya's in the cave. You'll never find her. You'll never be able to take... I'll fucking figure out how to take off that contraption. Shoot him now. The moment you see him, shoot him. Even if the crowbar is in her boca... He's like, shoot him. He's not going to pull it down. Just do it. Shoot him in the fucking face. It's so frustrating. Very frustrating. After he does that, Camila attacks him and he throws her to the ground and Andrea shoots him in the back three times. And then what it looks like, like his head. He But he's wounded Camila in the shoulder. Andrea's like, put pressure on it, put pressure on it. And Camila keeps saying, yo ya, yo ya, yo ya. So Andrea says, okay, I'm going to go find her. The three of us are getting out of here. So she goes with her gun out into another room. And she sees a crib with a baby crying inside of it, which is the baby of Mm -hmm. the lady that got killed earlier. She hears a noise and she looks over and it's Carmen, Juan's sister. And she says, no me hagas nada, por favor. And Andrea kneels down in front of Carmen, grabs her hand. And Carmen, like very sweetly and tenderly is like, gracias. And then you hear a scream. And it's Camila. Andrea runs up these stairs. I'm like, how? How is this still going? The minute she, the minute Andrea left Camila with his shot body, I was like, don't "Don't leave her there. Yeah. 
So she goes up some stairs into a room that has big bottles of acid and tubes coming out of it. And on the floor, there's a huge stain of blood that looks like somebody's been dragged. And Andrea sees that Camila is sitting up on, propped up on something. And she goes and turns to her. And Camila's dead with her heart cut out of her chest, but like exposed out like it's been pulled out of of yeah, its it's just like sitting at the front of her chest and out of nowhere fucking juan comes in and punches andrea right in the side of the head she shoots at him he falls but he stabs her foot as he falls and then he like almost like he's climbing up at her stabs her thigh she's shooting and shooting but he grabs a piece of like concrete slab and holds it up to his face so it's protecting him and i was like <laughs> that's ridiculous 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 <laughs> then she's just shooting and shooting and then finally she shoots at the bottles of acid that are above him and some of the acid lands on her cheek but most of it lands on top of him and he's just laying there sizzling and a sizzling away she like runs over to a mirror sees that her like part of her face just is dissolving off of her like you can fully, fully see, see her, her teeth, teeth because her cheek is, is gone Blech. and she goes over to her dead sister and she says please forgive me forgive me and we see one last shot of fucking juan sizzling away and a zoom in on his eye where we see the reflection of young juan as he smiles and evaporates and juan fucking dies thank God. Good riddance, asshole. Yeah, you dick. So we see Carmen, and she's going through a box of hundreds and hundreds of IDs, and they're all women. All women. Mm -hmm. And she pulls up the uh, ID of Blanca Enedina, who I think is her mom. I think you're right. And she takes off her necklace that we saw in the very beginning her mom was wearing this necklace. So she takes it off, she kisses the little uh, charm, and she puts it on top of all these fucking IDs that are in this box. And she moves over, and we see that there's Yoya. So she goes to Yoya, who has her two little finger puppets that she got from Magda, and they hold hands, and they walk away. So Andrea, alive still, walks back into the room where that baby was at, the baby crib. And she looks at the baby... And then she brings up her gun and puts it up to the baby's little face. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a bunch of fucking cops come in. All male cops screaming, stop, put your gun down, put your gun down, stop, whatever. And very quietly, she says to the baby, tu vas a ser igual a ellos. And she's, it looks like she's about to fucking shoot this baby. But then they, all these men shoot Andrea. And I thought it was very telling that it was all men that were there killing her. Mm -hmm. Then we see Yoya and Carmen leaving through a door. And you can tell Carmen has maybe never been outside, like has barely ever seen sun. She's like, what is light? She is shielding her face. (laughs) And then the credits start to come up. And so we see like in between shots of credits and Carmen and Yoya holding hands walking through the woods she literally goes up to a tree trunk and kisses it like she's never seen the outside this poor woman yeah and then they walk through woods and flowers and then they end up on a on a rocky road and they're walking together and the shot pans out into an aerial view fin de la película oh 
the deepest of breaths here at the end of this film. Yes. Let's get into some trivia. Would you like to go first or you want me to go first? No, you go. Well, so here is my trivia. My first one, I just wanted to talk about bloodwindow.com.ar, which I believe is Argentina, I assume. Cool. So it says this, Blood Window is a unique business platform for filmmakers specialized in horror and genre films from Latin America. Nice. Which is very cool. Hello. What are we doing here? And we go, this is it. <laughs> Blood Window <laughs> develops a program of events in order to facilitate the commercialization and promotion of audiovisual genre film content, bridging the gap between emerging genre film talents with representatives of international film festivals, sales agents, distributors, companies of post-production services, workshops, public funds, and production companies. The Blood Window label aims to identify and highlight the emerging annual film production of horror, science fiction, action, suspense, and others related to the fantastic genre in the region. Which I was like, I've never heard of this. That's amazing. And I believe, you know, Blood Window was listed in the credits, so I think it supported or financed or something had something to do with this film so cool even though i didn't like this movie good job <laughs> blood window <laughs> all right so let's talk a little bit about the human rights violations in pinochet's chile and again everybody trigger warning so on june 14th 1974 the national intelligence directorate dina was created so Lina was instituted to produce the intelligence necessary to formulate policies and planning and to adopt measures to procure the safeguarding of national security and development of the country, which to me just means we're looking for anybody who is against this regime and we will get rid of you by any means necessary. Right. So Dina established interrogation and detention camps in which former members of Allende's Marxist government and the leftist movements were incarcerated and brutally tortured. While these agencies committed barbaric acts of physical and sexual torture, they also caused an immense amount of psychological pain and suffering. Trauma. Hello. Hello. In total, Chile had 17 torture centers. All right, everybody, it's it's nasty, so just, you know, hold on. One torture method, which was very commonly used, was the grill, or la parrilla. In this torture, electricity was fed from a standard wall outlet through a control box into two wires, each terminating in electrodes. The control box gave the torturers the option of adjusting the voltage being administered to the prisoner. The naked prisoner was stretched out and strapped onto a metal bed frame, he or she was subjected to electrical shocks on several parts of the body, especially on sensitive areas like the genital genitals and on open wounds. So what we saw in this film was real. Accurate. And this is particularly gruesome. Pinochet's regime carried out many gruesome and horrific acts of sexual abuse against the victims. In fact, several detention sites were solely instituted for the purpose of sexually tormenting and humiliating the prisoners. One of these places, like the main one, was called Discotec, Discotec which is awful. I, I cannot. Truly awful. Oh, God. Monstrous. Women were the primary targets of gruesome acts of sexual abuse. Not only would military men rape women, but they would also use foreign objects and even animals to inflict more pain and suffering. Women reported that spiders and live rats were often implanted. I, I, okay, you get it. It's fucking awful. Yeah. You got it. So, But the point of me bringing this up, not to shock everybody, but just to establish that this director did base some of this stuff on fact. Yeah. 
Let's talk about trauma a little bit. So this is from this website, ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. <laughs> I believe that's the National Institute of Health. The article is called Listening to Silence, Trauma and Recovery in Post-Golpe Chile. And this is by Lindsay Kent. So she, I'm not going to read everything she wrote, but she wrote this article about you know, how she is working on like trauma recovery with people who suffered through the Pinochet years. And she wrote a beautiful article. She starts by saying, I visited Chile for the first time in 2003. Over the course of the 12 months during during which the country became my home, I realized there was a secret side to the capital, Santiago. Never was this clearer than when I witnessed a demonstration to mark the 30th anniversary of the September 11th, 1973 coup, which we talked about Casa in Lobo. La Casa Casa, casa Lobo. Lobo. Yes, Lobo, yeah. I felt the distrust of and anger toward the police who lined rooftops with snipers and the military units which filled side streets with water cannons. It was a visceral experience made more so by the contrast with day-to-day -day life on the city's streets. This was a boom town proud of its malls and economic growth, and the residents of Santiago made every effort to, to remark upon their high standards of living. In contrast, there was a marked silence about the long history of the regime, the Pinochet regime. While some felt the general was the man who saved Chile from communism and made the country an economic force to be reckoned with, others saw him as a despotic leader who silenced all those who stood in opposition to him and carried out abuses with impunity. So that's just something in my brain I think of Pinochet and I'm like garbage. This is unforgivable. Yeah. But what I'm gathering here is like you go to Chile and it'll be real divided. Mhm. Mm I just yeah, I I can't fathom that, especially when the facts are out there that so many people were killed. I mean, talk about trauma, fucking oh, he man. instilled fear in his people and that makes and that can make people comply. Absolutely. She continues, these two perspectives on Chilean history divided Chilean society and often meant that those who had suffered during this period were left to inhabit their silence. Oof. She talks specifically about like the trauma work that people did in Chile post Pinochet. She says here, post-traumatic growth is a relatively new concept that continues to court some controversy. There is a need to take care when using the term post-traumatic growth. It is not the case that survivors grow because of their trauma, more that the experience of overcoming negative experiences, continuing to live, and of reflecting on and sharing their stories can engender a recognition of strengths. This can be very positive during the continued work of managing their traumatic experience and finding a way to lead lives they feel are productive. They continue to progress despite what they have had to overcome. But then on the flip side, there are other professionals for whom the idea of post-traumatic growth is not valid. They feel this because in their experience, survivors of trauma may not encounter a new way of living that they see as positive. They may continue to face chronic health problems and their difficulties can be compounded by the impunity granted to state actors and institutions and the loss of socioeconomic status that can perpetuate trauma and ill health. There are many factors involved in how a person is, is affected by trauma over time. By placing the emphasis on survivors as the ones who should work to ameliorate their own suffering without efforts to address the other levels and factors which strongly impact on their ability to achieve a good quality of life, there is a loss of justice and balance. It seems unfair. More than that, some psychiatrists feel it is impossible. There are those who report 
no cases of post-traumatic growth during their practice at this difficult time in Chile's history, which is a fucking downer. Which just means that that's how fucking horrible things were. Totally. So I highly recommend reading her article. And last thing, not uplifting, but kind of not as dark, is that there is a movie called Missing that I believe I brought up in La Casa Lobo episode. I was like, I, there's a Sissy Spacek movie out there that's kind of yeah, about this. Yeah, you did. Right? So... Missing is a 1982 biographical drama film directed by Costa Gravas, adapted from the book The Execution of Charles Horman, An American Sacrifice. It's based on the disappearance of American journalist Charles Horman in the aftermath of the United States backed. United States backed? Yeah. Dude. Uh, anyways, United States backed Chilean coup of 1973. It stars Jack Lemmon and Sissy Spacek. The film premiered at the 1982 Cannes Film Festival, where it was jointly awarded the Palme d'Or. Nice. D'Or. D'Or. While Lemmon won the Best Actor Prize. Nice. Good job, Jack Lemmon. I just love him. It received four <laughs> nominations at the 55th Academy Awards. Best Picture, Best Actor for Jack Lemmon, Best Actress for Sissy Spacek, Wow. And one best adapted screenplay. The film created significant controversy in Chile and was banned during Pinochet's dictatorship, mm. even though neither Chile nor Pinochet is ever mentioned by name. Wow. But I remember watching this movie in high school or like middle school, high school, and it is dark. I bet. But, you know, good performances. Anyway, that's my trivia. Uh I feel like I need a drink. I, when I tell Fuck. you that I got up early so that I could fucking do yoga before this because I knew I wouldn't be able to do it afterwards because I'm going to have a cocktail <laughs> after this recording. I also woke up and was like, you need to do yoga, Johnny. Do so it I now. Did. Do it now. Get centered now so that you can fucking drink your face off. Okay. Here's right, my girl. fucking trivia. Pinochet is a fucking piece of shit. Augusto Jose Ramon Pinochet Uga was a Chilean army general, politician, and military dictator who ruled Chile from 1973 to 1990, first as the leader of the military Junta of Chile from 1973 to 1981, being self-declared president Ugh. of the republic by the Junta in 1974, and becoming the de facto dictator of Chile. And after, from 1981 to 1990, as de jure president, after a new constitution, which confirmed him in the office that was approved by a referendum in 1980. Also, this is all from Wikipedia. Thank you, Wikipedia. You oh, are yeah. the best. Mine too. Sorry. Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> On September 11th, 1973, Pinochet seized power in Chile in a coup d'etat with the support of the United States that toppled Salvador Allende's democratically elected Unidad Popular government and ended civilian rule. Now, Salvador Allende was a socialist and Marxist, which is why mm -hmm. I, um, I'm i pretty sure is the reason the United States backed this coup yeah specifically the cia was heavily involved mm -hmm. but that's a deeper dive that y'all can do on your own after his rise to power pinochet persecuted leftists socialists and political critics resulting in his worst offenses of human rights violations, which you have covered. These were all committed by the Chilean armed forces, members of the Carabineros de Chile, and civil repressive agent members of a secret police. This was all from 1973 to 1990. 
dude. Yeah. According to the Commission of Truth and Reconciliation and the National Commission on Political Imprisonment and Torture, the number of direct victims of human rights violations in Chile accounts for around 30,000 people, 27,255 tortured and 2,279 executed. In addition, some 200,000 people suffered exile and an unknown number went from clandestine centers and illegal detention. Pinochet's 17-year rule was given a legal framework through a controversial 1980 plebiscite. Now, we've said this word before when we were talking about Venezuela. So plebiscite is basically a referendum or a type of voting or proposing of laws. After stepping down in 1990, Pinochet continued to serve as commander in chief as the Chilean army until the until March 10th of 1998 when he retired and became a senator for life. In accordance with his 1980 constitution. So he changed the constitution so that he could just be head, be up in there. head guy of Chile until the day he fucking kicked the bucket. No. However, Pinochet was arrested under an international arrest warrant on a visit to London on October 10th, 1998, in connection with numerous human rights violations. Following a legal battle, he was released on grounds of ill health and returned to Chile on March 3rd of the year 2000. In 2004, Chilean judge Juan Guzmán Tapia ruled that Pinochet was medically fit to stand trial and placed him under house arrest. But by the time of his death on December 10th, 2006, about 300 criminal charges were still pending against him in Chile Wow! for numerous human rights violations during his 17-year rule and tax evasion and embezzlement during and during and after his rule. He was accused of having corruptly amassed at least $28 million. Oh my God. And he never served for any of his crimes because he fucking died before it. He died of a heart attack. I hope it was huge and fucking devastating. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, bro, but I fucking do. Massive spontaneous street demonstrations broke out throughout the country upon the news of his death. In Santiago, opponents celebrated his death in Alameda Avenue while supporters grieved outside the military hospital. Pinochet's remains lay in repose on December 11th, 2006, at the Military Academy in Las Condes. And during the ceremony, Francisco Cuadrado Prats, the grandson of Carlos Prats, a former commander-in-chief of the army in the Allende government who was murdered by Pinochet's secret police, spat on the coffin and was quickly surrounded by the supporters of Pinochet who kicked and insulted him. Pinochet's funeral took place the following day at the same venue before a gathering of 60,000 supporters. So like you said, it's... Yeah. In the government decision, he was not granted a state funeral, an honor normally bestowed upon past presidents of Chile, but a military funeral as former commander-in-chief of the army appointed by Allende. 
The government also refused to declare an official national day of mourning, but it did authorize flags at military barracks to be flown at half-staff and for the Chilean flag to be draped on Pinochet's coffin. Pinochet's body was cremated in Parque del Mar Cemetery uh, on December 12, 2006, on his request to, quote, avoid vandalism on his tomb, according to his son Marco Antonio. The armed forces refused to allow his ashes to be deposited on military property. Wow. Yeah. So I just want to su- talk about women. <laughs> Let's talk about them. They deserve it. They deserve it because this women, <laughs> these women went fucking through it in this movie. So They did. When it came to women during the Pinochet regime, the foundation was hastily corrupted by patriarchal values. Prominent feminist sociologist Maria Elena Valenzuela argued that the military state can be interpreted as the quintessential expression of patriarchy. Quote, the junta, with a very clear sense of its interests, has understood that it must reinforce the traditional family and the dependent role of women, which is reduced to Mm. that of mother. Oh, my God. The dictatorship, which institutionalizes social inequality, is founded on inequality in the family. These inequalities began to agitate Chilean women and women began to formulate groups opposing the patriarchal domination of the political sphere. Now, I'm going to jump up ahead to March 2020 with the article from The Guardian called Our Role is Central, More Than One Million Chilean Women to March in Huge Protest. This article was written by Chadis McGowan from Santiago. More than one million women in Chile are preparing to join a massive protest this Sunday to mark International Women's Day in a march expected to reignite a wave of social unrest that began four months ago. This information I got from another article called Why Chile's New Constitution is a Feminist Victory from foreignpolicy.com. It says, the demand for a new constitution emerged after a national uprising in October 2019. Student protests over increasing metro fares mushroomed into a nationwide nationwide movement protesting against the high costs of living and a sense of alienation from the political elite. As discontent surged, separate demands over education access, pension reform, and public health, among many other issues, converged into calls to replace General Augusto Pinochet's military dictatorship-era constitution. So that constitution was still in place (gasps) up until 2019. So this march that was going to happen in 2020's International Women's Day was the first mass demonstration since New Year's Eve, and it was expected to be the first of several protests in a run-up to a history referendum in April when Chileans would vote on reforming the country's Pinochet-era constitution. Throughout those months, there had been a lot, a lot of killings and um, specifically domestic violence based murders. And this is recent. Yes. This is ni- tw- 2019, 20, 2019, 2020. Wow. Yeah. Alondra Carrillo, spokesperson spoke for the country's largest feminist advocacy group, La Coordinadora Feminista Ocho Millones, I think, AM 
said that as well as sharing the demands of the wider movement, Chile's women are fighting for specific gender-related issues such as legal abortion, an end to domestic violence, and for greater equality in the workplace. Quote, women are permanently subjected to various forms of patriarchal violence, which is an integral part of the way in which Chile is organized, she said. The Chilean Network Against Violence Towards Women calculates that an average of 130,000 cases of domestic violence are reported in Chile each year, making it one of the country's most reported crimes. Each day, 42 cases of sexual abuse are reported to the police, only 25.7% of which result in judicial rulings. Last year, 46 women were murdered by their partners. I mean, this is really just changing the way that I view what this movie is saying. Yeah, get ready for this. On Tuesday, during the inauguration of a new law to tackle femicide... Chile's president, Sebastián Piñera, caused outrage by saying, quote, Sometimes it's not just that men want to commit abuse, but also that women put themselves in a position where they are abused. <sighs> My God. The, wait, oh, I'm so, wait, wait, wait. That's the, the, that's the president? the current president of Chile that said that. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So some here are some quotes of some of the women that were going to march at this Women's Day uh, march. I march because I want to feel safe. I've had friends that have been raped or have had illegal abortions and they were so scared, said Macarena Cortez, who runs a queer bar located next to the Plaza Italia in Santiago, which has become a hotspot for feminist gatherings. Mm-hmm. We will march for our own reasons. I'm a lesbian, so I march for a culture where they don't kill us for being gay or punch us for holding hands with someone we love, she said, referring to a spate of attacks on gay women in the past decade. But every woman will march for her own reasons, and on on March 8th, we will unite with a common demand to be respected. I'm trying hard not to cry! Wow. That was from the... Guardian article. So back to this foreignpolicy.com article. Karina Noales, an, an employment lawyer and spokeswoman for Chile's largest feminist advocacy group, Coordinadora 8M, now has a historic opportunity to fight for women at the highest levels in Chile. She is running as an independent candidate to be among the 155 strong assembly tasked with rewriting Chile's constitution. Mm. The October 2020 re- referendum in which Chileans voted for a new constitution also provided a chance for vote for a constitutional assembly-led drafting process, which would include a groundbreaking guaranteed gender parity requirement. On the date of the vote, the the parity option was favored by a resounding 79.18% of voters. Noales believes a new constitution can provide a legal framework to to protect women's lives and safety. Like other feminist candidates, she advocates a new set of constitutional rights, including complete individual autonomy over one's body. These rights were fa- would facilitate progressive laws that could permit safe and legal abortion, greater rights for trans and non-binary people, and allow same-sex marriage and adoption. Wow. Make it happen. Feminist groups were among the loudest shouting for change during the months of mass 
protests the phrase revolution will be feminist or it won't be a revolution was etched into city walls, projected onto buildings, and chanted by thousands of women. I'm trying to cry. That's amazing. <laughs> okay. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) The vote to establish the Constitutional Assembly will take place in April 2021. Regardless of the outcome of her candidacy, Noales believes there is a strong ground to start from to improve women's lives in Chile. She hopes other countries will follow Chile's move in ensuring parity in constitutional reforms. This is an international achievement, she says. We achieved parity in Chile thanks to every single woman in any part of the world who stepped out onto the streets for change. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the last thing I'm going to say. So Lucio Arrojas, the director of this film, he did an interview for a website called thrillandkill.com. And this interview, (laughs) this is an interview by a guy named Mick. (laughs) No last name. Thanks, Mick. And I'm pretty sure this is a German website. Thrillandkill.com asked, how did you get the idea for this movie? And Lucio Arroja said, as a Chilean, we are aware of what we experienced because of the brutal dictatorship of General Pinochet that we had for 17 years. We all know the atrocities and abuses committed in one of the most sadistic, violent, and cruel dictatorships in history. Tens of thousands of tortured and thousands of disappeared, and worst of all, impunity for these acts. In addition, we live in a country, or rather a continent, where sexual abuse towards women is a daily occurrence, and we are immersed in a very aggressive, violent society that respects our neighbor less and less every day. That is why everything that surrounds Latin Americans is sordid, dirty, and one grows in socially difficult environments. Violence is a part of our existence, and we try to capture it most truthfully in our cinema. Wow. You know, just hearing everything that you just said, and also including what he said at the end, I never, ever want to watch this again. Absolutely not. But it changes. Like, I can reflect on it now and be like, I see what you were trying to go to do. Yeah. I think I understand it more. And I appreciate that he's taken the time to kind of like explain, especially with a brutal fucking movie like this, like why he's showing all this stuff. Yeah. This, these are his truths. Yeah. Well, is that your trivia? That's my fucking trivia. Okay. <laughs> well, I learned a lot. You just taught me a lot, and uh, I really appreciate you going so in-depth with this stuff, and I know that this is a hard one, Yeah. and uh, so I appreciate that. You want to answer some questions for me? Get them done? Sure. Okay. Eileen, were you scared? Yes, absolutely. Me too. <laughs> I was fucking terrified. What was your best scare? This whole entire film. I have, from the beginning until the very end, I was never comfortable there was never a moment of peace I did not want to watch this movie from jump and uh, I think it's the whole goddamn thing agreed I will be just a teeny bit more I guess specific I'm gonna give it to the whole home invasion rape sequence that I'm gonna say top three worst sequences I've ever seen in my entire life absolutely never want to see that again no who was your favorite character Uh, Yoya I'll give it to fucking Yoya (laughs) (laughs) 
Listen, sweet Yoya with sweet her Peppa Yoya, Pig puppet. Who the at the end was still like smiley and being like hola so god <laughs> she was the only breath of fresh air in this film i hear you yep i'm gonna give it to camila our redhead i honestly don't really know why i think mostly just because she uh i at the end when she made the decision to be like i know i'm gonna die i'm gonna go my choice at the end of my life is to go try to save this girl there's honor in that. Yeah. I still, I'm like, not sure that that it was not the right choice, right. but I'll give it to Camila. What was your best line? No dejes que esos bastardos te quiten tu vida. No permitas eso. I just thought that was really, like, don't let these bastards, don't let these bastards get you down, to quote The Handmaid's Tale. I'm just going to say that that's my favorite line, too, <laughs> if you don't mind. No, please. <laughs> because I was searching for... A, a, like a line and I found one that's really dark and depressing and I'm just going to stick with yours. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to stick with yours. So that was my favorite too. Great. <laughs> uh, what was your best death? I'm going to give it to both Juan and Mario. I just, I wanted them to get it worse. I wanted them to fucking die horrible fucking deaths. I wanted them to just keep dying over and over. I agree. I'll, I give it uh, to Juan more specifically getting burned with acid but again I was like not enough no it's not enough not enough it needs to be worse yeah but I'll give it to him because I was like it's about fucking time yeah did you learn anything about the culture yeah I mean especially with the research and I mean I knew about the the protests in Chile and I knew a little bit about Pinochet and Chile in general but you know you always learn more and you know I knew about torture but this gave me a lot more detail I didn't know it was this bad. I, I also said yes. I learned really scary, dark shit. Yeah. How many ooies are you going to give this movie? I never, ever want to see this movie again. And I think that's that this director is fine with that. I think he's... Yeah. His, the purpose with this film was definitely to not only shock and awe, but to be like, this is reality. This was... Traumatize you. This was... This was real and probably sometimes continues to be real. Just so that it's middle of the road, I'm going to give it three. Wow. Just because I I appreciate the purpose of it, but I also never want to experience anything like that ever again. What about you? I was going to give it one, honestly, <laughs> but uh, because of some of the information you gave me and just to hear a little bit, I looked for an interview with the director and couldn't find it. So I I'm found glad two. You did. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, I was rushing. That's my excuse. <laughs> I found two. <laughs> I'm going to give it two. I like hearing what you said about him and what his idea was behind this movie. I understand why he's trying to show us the brutality of everything. And like, I must say, I'm a little confused by the incest. Um, yeah. And that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't quite understand. Like, maybe there's stuff that we don't know about. But that felt just like... I think like... that's trauma. <laughs> Right, that's the trauma. Like, and the title of the movie, fucking trauma. You're showing it to us and how it's passed down. Like, I yes. see that intergenerational. I Absolutely, and like you know, that's smart. Yeah. It is smart. The specific thing that I was like, okay, you're just trying to shock us here, was the lesbian sex scene, which I have absolutely no problem with. You know, like like we said at the top, have a great time, ladies. And hearing what you said about you know how this Lu Lucio Rojas knows about how women are so persecuted and 
Apparently, there's a big anti-gay problem in Chile as well. And this is like, I guess you could interpret it as a celebration of this lesbian love act, basically. I think... But... Mm -hmm. Sorry, please, please go ahead. I think also it's meant to show the juxtaposition of the very conservative Chile that you had for many, many years, who sure. through the fear of Pinochet's regime, you were persecuted for, I'm sure, way more than just political shit. Yeah. And I remember when I went down there to perform a piece of theater that was based on Pablo Neruda's work and also based on people that have been exiled and the horrible Pinochet regime, people would tell us that it's like being free and open and living your life in a fearless way is very, very new. And that was in like 2000 and I don't know, three or four. Yeah. Yeah. Showing these women, I think it was specifically meant to, I think, show like, oh, that was then and this is now. But I understand entirely what you mean and feel because it is the double shock of like the explicit horror that we see and the explicit joy of sex uh, can sometimes the contrast and like the actual putting those two things Things together can be very jarring and uh, uncomfortable. Totally. I think what I'm trying to say is that, like, you just wanted to shock us with that. Yeah. So that makes the violence, like, you just want to shock us. Yeah. Which I get. Like, this movie is about the trauma passed down through generations. It's just a little too extreme for yeah. my tastes. I know this is for some people. I agree. I mean, what we're discovering here watching all the a lot of these Latinx horror films, and I'll bring up Sudor Frio, this fucking movie, Trauma, they are talking about like political, brutal trauma. La Casa Lobo, too. La Casa Lobo. Fucking Paramo. Yeah. And like, I'm going to say, you know, Casa Lobo, Paramo, they really succeeded in expressing this where Sudor Frio and unfortunately this movie did not quite do it for me at least. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to give it a two. And I also never need to revisit this film. No, not no. If I no, no, (laughs) no, no. Well, um, happy days are here again. We're done. We finished this fucking episode. We watched this movie. We can forget about it. Oh my god! I don't. That's that's the thing. I don't think it'll be. I it's. And I, another thing I think he meant to have us feel is we're not going to forget this anytime soon. I mean, I couldn't fucking sleep last night. I was I was tossing and turning. But I just also want to say, nice job, Eileen, because it's a tough one to get through. Thank and you. you. fucking nailed it. I you nailed it. did my best. <laughs> Let's get out of this torture house. Oh, my God. You guys, please <laughs> give yourself a nice moment of, like I don't know, I'm going to go pour myself the largest glass of gin I have ever <laughs> Ever consumed. Uh, I hope oh, yeah. you guys do too. Um, please, hey, rate and review us. <laughs> Subscribe. If this is your first episode, uh, I do oh, apologize. I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. But we Stick have around, there though, are other episodes that are fun and lighthearted. Listen, uh, highly recommend you check out the our previous episode. Don't panic. That's real lighthearted. Uh, you can follow us on social media at 
Wake Your Roar on Insta and Twitter. Also follow our network at Sonoro Podcast. And please be nice to yourself today and every other day. Yes. Be nice to women. Be nice. Just, please. Just please be nice. Be, be respectful. Go drink some water. Drink some put water. Your face, put your face in the light, I was going to say. Not just put your face. Put your face. <laughs> put your face. Uh, and uh, we hope you have a lovely week. Um, let us know if you watch this movie what you thought. I don't fucking know. Hey, Johnny. Yeah, let us know on Twitter. <laughs> Get out of here. I fucking love you. I fucking love you too. We'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adiós. Adiós. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.